You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Tyler Jones. I'm your host. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. On the podcast today is Jason Rowland. He's the senior pastor, one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church, and a couple other elders, uh, Jared Haygood and Kyle Slaymaker. And today, uh, we're going to hop right into the question, I think, um, it's a. Uh, it seems like a simple question, but I think there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of complication, and there's a lot of time uh, in in history to discuss here. So we'll just go ahead and hop into it. How should Christians think about the Sabbath? I think the reason we brought up, this question was brought up, and uh, someone had brought this question to us, and, and I understand uh, looking at how we as believers look at the Sabbath. As you look at the Old Testament, uh, commanded in Exodus that uh, they were to keep the Sabbath. Um, maybe you even know people um, that still say that no, um, you know, Sabbath uh, worship needs to happen on a Saturday, which was the Sabbath. And but but how do we look at it when people say, "But we're in the New Covenant, and why do we worship on a Sunday?" Um, so I think that is a question that that comes to people's mind and a question that people ask. Um, I know. One thing that that people always go back to is uh, Genesis chapter 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on on it, God rested from his work that he had done in creation. And um, so I know people automatically think about going back there to... Um, why we rest. Um, but as, if we look through Scripture, uh, we don't see the word Sabbath come up until um, Exodus. Would, would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. We don't see the commandment to obey a Sabbath day of rest until we get to Exodus. But I think, Kyle, don't you have something in regard to that uh, comment or those words that we just read out of Genesis. Yeah, you know, when we are, we're talking about this, when Jared was reading that, you know, we talked about how God rested on the seventh day. And, you know, God set this day apart um, as a unique day because creation had been completed. God stops it and he rests. Now, this does not imply weariness. Uh, as we read in Isaiah 40, 28, the Lord does not grow weary. The psalmist says that he doesn't slumber or sleep. He rested only a sense that he ceased from his work. Not that he needed to replenish his energy, But what it tells us is that when he rested, he was satisfied. And if you take that back to verse 31 of chapter 21, it says that God saw all that he made and behold, it was very good. So rest that we're talking about here is not that that God was worn out from his creation and needed a day to uh, catch up, but uh, he was satisfied in the work that he has done. And he set apart that day for us to uh, be satisfied in the work that he had done as well. So then the gap between this in Genesis, the work of creation, and Exodus, God has established a pattern then of rest. He doesn't rest because he needs it. He, he is completed, satisfied in his completed, in his perfect um, creation. But then sin enters into the scene and breaks that rest in Genesis 3. And from that point on, the work of redemption begins actually in 315 
Genesis 3.15 with the pronouncement of the one who would come and crush the head of the serpent. So let's go to particularly the Sabbath day as we see it in Exodus. And probably one of the most definitive texts on this is in Exodus 31. And you can read it in the Ten Commandments, obviously, when you go to Exodus chapter 20. And the commandment there is to obey the Sabbath and to set it aside. But here's an explanation of that more clearly, beginning in verse 12, Exodus chapter 31. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does not work, uh, rather, who does any work on it, that so shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, and the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the seventh day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So when you begin to unpack that, the first thing you see is that the Sabbath was a sign to the nation of Israel between the nation and God. It was a sign of the covenant relationship that they had. Just as we see in other covenants, um, the covenant with Noah, we see the rainbow as a sign. The covenant with Abraham, we see circumcision as the sign. And so uh, the paradigm for the Sabbath then becomes Genesis, but then Exodus is laid down as a law for the nation of Israel to obey. And there's some things specifically that speak to what they could not and could do on the Sabbath. For example, Exodus 35.3 says that they could not kindle a fire. In Exodus chapter 16, they could not gather manna. This is all on the Sabbath day. Nehemiah 10.31, they could not sell and buy goods. Um, Jeremiah 17, they could not bear any burdens. Uh, it was set aside as a day unto the Lord, even as we just read in those verses out of Exodus. And there are promises that are um, I should say there are blessings that are promised to those who uh, observe the Sabbath. Isaiah 56, 2 specifically says that. Now, one other thing before I move further into this, but I want us to think about how intentional uh, God was in saying um, that the Sabbath was set aside because there was the death penalty attached to it if an ancient Israelite intentionally, purposely broke the Sabbath. I mean, it was that important. So there's a lot of significance placed upon it just by the heavy price that is paid if you broke the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So when we see the Old Testament, we, we see it um, laid out as a very important sign of the covenant that the Israelites were to keep, and it was to be perpetual. It was to be a reminder of the seventh day of rest that God had in Genesis and of the relationship, unique, special relationship that God has with the nation of Israel. It's um, I just, just sitting here thinking as you were talking and thinking through that, once again, how holy and set apart God was and is and how um, 
all of those laws that we see uh, was to set them apart from the rest of the nations. Well, that's and, a good and, point, Jared. And to to let everyone know who he was and his glory. And um, and once again, another picture. I mean, how how brutal that was to try to keep all those laws in another uh, beautiful picture of mercy and grace of the redemption plan of eventually uh, Jesus Christ coming. Uh, but you just reading all those things, how, how tough uh, to think that was to um, not break the Sabbath, not, not do all those things. So, uh, right. And you know, mind. Israel as a nation never really kept the Sabbath. They violated the Sabbath. Right. In fact, that's one of the things that the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 17 to the nation, you have regularly violated the Sabbath, so therefore you're going to be sent into exile. So as a nation, the people could not and would not keep it, which goes back to what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't and they wouldn't, so there has to be one to come who would. Yeah. So that brings us to Jesus, right? Yeah, right. And we see that Jesus, when he came and began his public ministry, he first of all, he would always observe the Sabbath. Would you agree? Because he would be the perfect Jew who would, in the demands of the law, perfectly keep those demands. Um, I think about the Pharisees who constantly accused him of breaking the Sabbath. Uh, why don't you read, um, Kyle, some of those uh, verses uh, that we see that comes up over and over as you read through uh, the Gospels of, of the Pharisees and Jesus and, and looking at the Sabbath. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as Jason said, the Pharisees, you know, they took something that was, was supposed to be good and provide rest to the people and they made it oppressive. You know, they kept adding on more and more rules and regulations and things that we don't see in scripture that uh, God had commanded them to do. They just, they keep piling it on. And so one of the examples is in uh, John 4, when we see Jesus healing the official son. Um Sorry, John 5, verse 1. So it's the healing of the pool on the Sabbath. So uh, as it says in John 5, verse 1, After this there was a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now they're in Jerusalem by the sheep gate and pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which is five Ruth colonnades. In these laid a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One of the men there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool where the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And once the man had healed, he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews went to the man and said, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who you healed, the, that had said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more. Nothing worse may happen to you. So we see that Jesus is healing a man on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees obviously uh, do not like this, and they have issues with uh, him doing this. Yeah, because so. you, you look on verse 16, it says, and this was why the Jews were uh, persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And so uh, they were very frustrated. Uh, I'm probably not frustrated. They were super mad. And Well, uh, they were so religiously yeah. elite that they could not phantom it. 
Jesus being the Messiah, because certainly the Messiah would never break the Sabbath right. per their rules. It wasn't God's rules. It was their rules that they had added. They had consumed the idea of the Sabbath with so many rules or packed it, I should say, that as Jesus said, they forgot mercy. Yeah. He tells them in Matthew chapter 12, you've forgotten mercy and you don't have mercy even for these that need healing, even if it is on the Sabbath. And he, 18, he goes on and says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his his own father, making himself equal with God. And so, yeah, right. So the, I think the bank point that we need to take from this is that Jesus, as the Jew, as the perfect Jew, kept the Sabbath perfectly. Mm-hmm. So that's going to play into more of this as we go along. So let's talk now about the epistles, because we've gone Old Testament, yeah. Jesus, now what Paul says about the Sabbath. And I think we've got Colossians as a text that we could go to. And um, really, it just points to the fact that the Sabbath day is a shadow. It points to right. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Colossians uh, 2, uh, starting in verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Uh, Let no one disqualify you insisting on, how do you say this, asceticism Mm -hmm. and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by uh, his senses mind. So uh, just looking at... um, once again, Paul, um, going back and looking, don't don't question food or drink in regard to festivals or new moon or Sabbath. Um, I guess going back and understanding that um, Christ has fulfilled um, the Sabbath, and that um, and now we 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 no longer have to look at the Sabbath as following a bunch of rules. Um, or or trying to keep up because Christ has satisfied that for us. Right. It's not binding on the New Testament believer in Christ because Christ has fulfilled it. And because it's a shadow, as Colossians says there to us, also Romans 14, all the way through verse 6 of chapter 15, speaks to the fact that keeping the Sabbath or observance of the Sabbath for these Jewish Christians was a matter of conscience. Mm -hmm. You could or you couldn't based on what your conscience dictated to you. And if it would have been binding, we would have in Colossians or perhaps in Romans or other of Paul's epistles that you are bound to keep the Sabbath. But he never says that. Mm -hmm. And he never says it because... Jesus had fulfilled it. Now, we have to back up a little bit because I think that we missed an important part that goes back to the resurrection. Right. So let's go back when Jesus fulfilled the law as a Jew perfectly, without sin, all the demands of the law. Then he suffers as the penal, he suffers the penalty of being the lawbreaker. Uh, but then he rises again, and he rises again on what day of the week? Sunday. Sunday, the first day of the week. First day of the week. So then we see from that point on in the New Testament, we see it in Acts, we see it in uh, a letter, the letter to 1 Corinthians, Paul uh, designating the first day of the week as the day of worship or where Christians gather. Yeah. So the the Sabbath then, going back to our comment earlier from Romans and 
and even in Colossians, it's not binding to the New Testament believer. We have even the, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3 and chapter 4, he speaks of the Sabbath being the foreshadowing for the believer. The Sabbath is the foreshadowing of the eschatological rest for the believer. Mm-hmm. So really, we keep as a New Testament believer, all of us around this table and perhaps those of you who are listening, you keep the Sabbath because you've kept it in Jesus. Because you have put your faith and trust in Jesus who kept the Sabbath. So it is fulfilled in Jesus. We have kept the Sabbath as it is found in its fulfillment and completion in Jesus. So as we look at the question, how should Christ think how should Christians think about Sabbath then? Because Christ fulfilled that, we no longer have to um, follow the Sabbath of what it was according to the Old Testament. Right. There are those who, as you you said in the beginning, who choose to worship on Saturday, thinking that it is a demand of the law to worship on Saturday. And perhaps that'd be a discussion for another time. But I think that it is clear from the New Testament that we can comfortably and rightly worship on Sunday as the people of God, because that is the day of resurrection. How do we think about rest and that kind of thing now in in modern culture? Well, I think that one thing that we have to think about um, is that we live and live in such a society that that devalues rest. We we never take a pause. We never take a rest. We are all um, anxious to take a vacation in the summertime, but for the most part, our life is just filled with go, 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 fast, fast, fast. And we see that even in the church. So that probably one of the things that we in the culture as Christians are missing is that we justify ourselves by the by what the world says are measurements of accomplishment. So we, we justify our existence, our purpose, Um, our meaning in life by how many times we go to the gym, about how many times that we uh, go on a diet and how many pounds we lose. We justify ourselves in that way, and it's a constant work. It's a constant constant expenditure of energy. It's no wonder we're exhausted. We're always trying to gain some level of approval, some sense of completion— by what we do, mm-hmm. which would be the opposite of what we see even in Jesus when he says, um, take my yoke upon me. My burden is light. Yeah, the, it's easy. The gospel is rest. You know, it is rest. <laughs> resting in Christ. And, it is rest. And we go right the opposite yes. um, in, in that direction. Which well, we put the gospel on its head because we find our justification in what Tyler thinks about me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what you think about me. And um, you told me I was awesome earlier, so <laughs> and you I'll, are. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, you yeah. are awesome. That's no I'll doubt take, about it. And you're right though, because you'll see um, uh, Facebook ads. You'll see these ads of uh, "Let me show you how to maximize your schedule. Let me show you how to maximize uh, your time, and so you can do more and get more." Or the well, flash money and, and yeah, uh, and that's I mean more than uh, just the value of of hard work that the culture places on us. Uh, it's it's like the culture. Uh, now that we have smartphones and this kind of thing demands our workplace demands that we work, we do more, we have more production 
in an eight-hour day than we ever have. You know what I mean? So technology certainly has so many good benefits, but it is deadly, too. And Mm -hmm. that's the reason. Mm -hmm. It's because it it actually forces us Mm -hmm. to do more, better, and expend all this time and energy to, to again, you know, self-justify. So, and, and I'm not saying anything about anybody, but when you post how many miles you've run on Facebook, probably says something to um, trying to gain approval more than trying to help anybody. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be critical because I like to brag too. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I like to find my self justification. And what you think about me? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to, you have to question why am I posting it? Is it for gratification or or, or other means? And mm-hmm. so, um, and so that, that definitely is all wrapped up into. And we we get so busy um, and so wrapped up in time that um, do we leave time for the Lord? And yeah. that comes on to did you? I know you, did you have any more practical application stuff as we we're talking through this? Um. As far as practical application, you know, as, as we go back and, you know, look in the New Testament, you know, we see the pattern of the New Testament shift from uh, believers resting on Saturday to re- believers observing the first day as a day set apart as a holy day. Uh, it starts with the resurrection of Jesus and Matthew. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, as it says in Matthew 28, uh, it was the first day of the week that Mary Magdalene and Mary went to see the tomb. And that was the day that Jesus arose and he appeared to the disciples and he appeared to them again on Sunday. And then he appeared to them a week later on Sunday. Uh, we look in Acts um, at Pentecost and we see that the day of the Pentecost was on a Sunday that all the believers were gathered together. Acts 20, all the believers were gathered together. Uh, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, John actually calls, uh, in verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on what day? The Lord's day. So we see a pattern of the day of Sunday being set aside as a day set aside for the Lord. And so I think there, there was a shift that happened in the New Testament that um, believers started to, to view that day as a day set apart to be in worship and to spend time with other believers and breaking bread. So to play off of that, Kyle, let's think about just in these last few minutes together the idea of rest in the church, because what we have created in the culture is this competition between churches, and so that when you go through town and you're driving down Main Street and there's Church A and there's Church B and there's Church C, usually we judge a church by how much that church is doing. How many programs they've got going on? How many events are they advertising? What does it say on their marquee? And so then we have placed a premium on what we can do in the church. And there's no built-in time. Maybe we just ought to pause and think about the resurrection. Maybe we ought to just pause and think about the grace of God and how good He is. Maybe we ought to just build in even a worship time where we just stop and be still and know he's God. I mean, we, we know nothing about that in church life. Right. You know, and so my church or our church is in competition with the one down the road because we want to appear busy and we're validated by our busyness. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure I have all the answers to these things. It's just, I think, a reality mm-hmm. 
that we need to be thinking more carefully about? Um, so someone brought up a question uh, or said that maybe we need to stop asking the question, what shouldn't I do on Sunday and ask what should, uh, what, sh- what is my love for Christ asking me to do? And um, just makes, once again, makes you focused on Christ and his holiness and who he is, you know, um, are we just going to jet out the church a Sunday morning or are we, we going to have a time of, of fellowship with one another? Are we going to invite each other over our houses to eat in a time of talk and relaxing and um, talking about what we had heard that Sunday morning with the Lord or, or what, how Christ has been working uh, through us that week or um, uh, encouraging one another or go out to eat or uh, just a time of finding our greatest delight in Christ and his work and who he is and being with other believers. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've done is God has built in a place for us, a pause one day a week to come together as his people, to hear the word and to respond and to edify and to sing. But what we've done, because our culture is so fast and we've got to accomplish so much and we've got to get it posted on Facebook or whatever media that we want to, that we we take the church out. We take the built-in rest that ought to be there, and we say, let's go to the lake. Let's go to the races. Let's go, you know, to the sporting event. Mm-hmm. And and let's take what God has given as a means, and let's replace it with our own means. And then we go back to work. We're exhausted on Monday. And, you know, it just continues the cycle. Yeah. For the person who's still inquisitive here about the Sabbath and what that looks like, are we saying we wouldn't go out and pick vegetables in the garden or wouldn't cook or, you know, well, Chick-fil-A is closed, so we should do nothing. You know what I mean? How does that look for somebody uh, in a modern world with this modern American culture, which that's probably who's listening to this podcast? How does that look for for them? Uh, Number one, it's a matter of conscience, I think. What does your conscience allow you to be able to do? I mean, um, I've mowed my empty lot on Sunday afternoon, and my next-door neighbor has come over and says, what are you doing mowing on Sunday afternoon? (laughs) You're a preacher. (laughs) And, you know, I felt guilty about that. I let his conviction, you know, convict me, and I'm like, I'm never mowing on Sunday again, and I haven't. Um, but it's a wrong reason because it's been based on his conscience, not mine. I I think there are people that, that set aside, they turn off the TV. They don't watch NFL football on Sunday. Um, they are setting aside that day to do family worship, to take a nap. It's pretty extreme, huh? It is extreme. (laughs) It is extreme. Um, but neither is the person wrong if he turns on NFL football, um, if, if that doesn't violate his conscience. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we certainly have to be careful. Yeah, well, because we're not, he doesn't forbid us not to play. He doesn't forbid us not to go pick vegetables. Uh, um, we don't see that a list of things we're forbidden to do. I think it is a it is a conscience, you know. Right. And, and once again, um, what is my greatest delight? Is it is it God or is it these other things? And um, am I going to try to justify doing these things to appease my conscience that I can still do these things and delight in the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm mowing. I'm listening to worship music. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew you were. I was going to say, yeah. I thought you were actually praying. But, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, who are you to come tell me I can't do this? 
No. Does that make sense? That's oh, your yeah. question. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, and I think like what uh, Jared may have said this earlier, uh, but even in that task, kind of centering that around um, your thankfulness and what God has done for you. You know what I mean? Um, so if you're sitting there on the lawnmower, you know, are you thinking about all the things that are coming up this week? Or are you thinking about, man, I'm just so glad I get to get some sunshine, you know, and that God provided this uh, creation for me to look at while I mow the lawn and I get to pray to him a little bit, that kind of thing. I think just having like a, a God or a Christ-centered uh, activity you know, or our mindset while in that activities, right. kind of. What, I thought that was a great point that I think Jared made off air earlier. Maybe it goes to the point to uh, again that the Sabbath has been been fulfilled in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So all those um, rules that I read earlier, you can't gather um, manna, no kindling of a fire, no bearing of burdens, no selling of goods. All that Jesus kept for me. Mm-hmm. So by my faith in Him now. I don't have any stipulations on how I observe a day of rest other than don't forsake your assembling together as is the habit of some. Mm-hmm. That That is one thing that I need to keep in mind as I think about a day to worship God or to rest with the purpose of edifying the other believers who are gathered with me, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, um, it's a big question and perhaps we didn't do everything we could do with it but hopefully it's uh, some help and some encouragement thanks for listening to the asking for a friend podcast if what you've heard today has been helpful to you please subscribe on behalf of the elders of bbc i invite you to a worship service at believers baptist church this coming sunday the bible study hour begins at 9 15 and the worship service begins at 10 30 grace and peace mm-hmm.